my calculations are correct, when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. It's showtime. Right, welcome, buddy, to another episode of the VHS Strikes Back. I am one of your hosts, Chris, and my co-host, a very good friend, is Dave. Hey there, Chris, and hello to our listeners out there. Welcome to the VHS Strikes Back, the show where we dust off the old video player and go on a nostalgic journey to look at the good and the bad movies of yesteryear. Now, Chris, what are we going to review this week? Well, Dave, it's our good friend and Patreon, Stephen. He's picked a classic, Dave, which is now 49 years old, so it's not as old as me and you. Uh, and there's no jokes there about age, Dave, for, for once. Not I apologise. Yeah, I apologise. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we're going back to 1974. This one stars Gene Hackman. It's a Francis Ford Coppola movie, which apparently is his favourite movie he's ever actually made, Dave. Mm. And it's, uh, yeah, it's got a bit of a cast on it. Robert Duvall's in there as well. So John Casali as well, who was also Freddo out of uh, The Godfather, comes straight in between doing Godfather 1 and 2 to this one. Uh, but this one's called The Conversation. So, David, you ha- ever heard? of this one nope never heard of it at all and it's rare for me to go back you know to to movies that are quite this this old to be honest i I don't know maybe i should uh, expand my movie education and, and go back a bit further and look at some of these classics but yeah i think Prior to this, let me think. Was the I think the Exorcist was before this, probably wasn't it? It was that seventy three, I think, from mm. memory. Probably should yeah. have looked that up. But um, <laughs> no, so <laughs> never heard of it. And obviously, this is. Pr- I mean, look, Gene Hackman to me is Lex Luthor. <laughs> me too. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Um, so. I, I, I was really looking forward to going back to this one. And like you say, Francis Ford Coppola, you know, bit of a legend. I also think, well, you know, having watched The the Godfathers, it's like, well, I've got to, you know, see what else he's done, really. But uh, no, uh, the thing is that you get with 70s movie, movies, they're paced a bit differently, aren't they? And I'm sure we're going to get into that. But um yeah, absolutely nothing, Chris. I mean, how about yourself? Same, Dave. And I think you've touched on, like, with it being 74. I think probably we, I don't think, it must have been played over in here at some point, but it was an absolute box office flop, wasn't it? 1.6 million budget, made 4.4. But awards coming out of its ears, absolutely. When the Cannes Film uh, Festival, the Palme d'Or, which is like the highest accolade, it's won... Uh, Academy nominations, it's won all British uh, Academy uh, Awards, it's won for Hackman and, and different things. And honestly, I've never even heard of it. Francis Ford Coppola, obviously The Godfather, one of my favourite movie series, but didn't know anything about this. And, and like, and I think you're right, we're going back to sort of the mid-70s, completely different style of movie. But yeah, watching the trailer last week, I was like, I'm going to like this or not because I, you know, we both grew up watching '70s movies, didn't we? '60s, well, '50s, mm. '60s, '70s. There wasn't a lot on TV. We didn't have the access to Sky, so these sort of movies were like, I've like this probably would have been a BBC Two or Channel Four special late at night, I think, if it had been on uh, our ta- an hour time during the war, Dave. Obviously, but uh, <laughs> during <laughs> so, the war, during the war, but, but yeah, just nothing. I never even heard it. And when I looked in the diary for the conversation, I thought, oh, that sounds like a comedy. How wrong I was, David. How wrong I was. Because <laughs> he does done it like a rom-com. I was like, oh, this will be all right. It's going to be an 80s oh, rom-com. No, I, was, I was thinking it was going to be some kind of art house, you know, uh, something that we wouldn't necessarily, would not be in our wheelhouse necessarily, Chris. <laughs> and I think I was a bit closer to the bullseye there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, Dave. So shall we get into the trailer? Let's go. This is a world of hidden mics and two-way mirrors. A world where nothing is private. You think we can do this? Later in the week. Harry Call is an expert. The best there is. Let me tell you something about Harry Call. The best bar none. I'll drink to that. Best what? The best bugger on the West Coast. 
He can bug anybody, anytime, anywhere. Nobody knows how you did it, though, Harry. Caused a hell of a scandal, too. Look, did you see him? The man with the hearing aid, like Charles. He's been following us all They're not people to him. Just voices. Three people were murdered, that's all. He doesn't know them, and they don't know him. Uh, had nothing to do with me. I mean, I just turned in the tapes. Bless me, Father, for I've sinned. I've been involved in some work that I think I think will be used to hurt these two young people. <laughs> no, we're responsible. I, I'm not responsible. I... You're not supposed to feel anything about it. You're just supposed to do it. Be careful, Harry. You're just supposed to listen, not look, not feel, not care. Yes. How'd you get this phone number? We prepare a full dossier on everyone. It's terrific. <laughs> the bugger got fucked, huh? Do you have secrets, Harry? I know you do. Tell me about yourself. Your secrets. I don't have any secrets. Don't get involved in this, Mr. Cole. These tapes are dangerous. Come on, Harry. Show and tell. How do you do it? Why are you asking me all these questions? Gene Hackman is Harry Call in The Conversation. There is nothing private about the conversation. Listen. My name is Harry Call. Can you hear me? Surveillance expert Harry Call runs a private company in San Francisco offering wiretapping services. In the opening scene, Call, his colleague Stan, and some freelance associates are bugging the conversation of a couple as they walk through a crowded Union Square. Now, Chris, what do you reckon to the opening of this movie? Well, I've got to say, Dave, the first thing is you're thinking, oh, hang on a minute. Is this is he a bit like James Bond? Is he a bit of a, you know, he's a spy? Is there something going on? No, he's just basically like a PI, isn't he? Like a, he, he hmm. listens in on people. And this conversation, hence the name, runs throughout the movie. And if you want to know about the conversation and you don't catch it the first time, it's replayed <laughs> at least 50 <laughs> fucking times. And I will give a note to anybody who's not watched it yet, guys. If you're going to watch it with earphones on, you may become triggered like I was because the amount of fucking rewinding Harry does for this conversation was doing my head in, Dave. I was like, oh, my God. I had to take one earbud off at one point. I was like, fuck me. this Honestly, and I'm not joking about it. It is proper annoying, these bits, because he's rewinding this conversation. We're going with 1970s technology. But obviously, Harry, I'll be honest with you, Dave, as a character, really complex character, and I think if this was 2023 you would class him as being on the autism spectrum, wouldn't you? 100% mm. with his actions, the way he is. He's so clever. You know, he's got the things he wants to do. He's very elusive. He doesn't like gatherings. But then again, his character is a little bit, uh, I suppose I'm calling it out, bipolar in some respects, in some scenes. But yeah, very interesting star. And having John Cazal, who is out of The Godfather, who unfortunately passed away, he had the tagline of every time he was in a movie, it was a classic. He died in about 78, 79, but he did like five or six movies and was building his portfolio up. And every one of them was some sort of Academy Award nominated movie, Dave. So he's a great supporting character as Stan. He's, he's right hand man. But yeah, mm. interesting start. And I'm, I was quite interested in the technology they were going to use. And obviously, Harry doing this, he's like an absolute legend. And he? he creates his own stuff and he created this thing to listen to a conversation in a massive, busy, um, populated area but yeah mm. i think i think for me that I, it did grab me at the start but then as it went on from about 20 minutes in my, my ears were fucking bleeding from listening to this conversation <laughs> over and over again <laughs> fuck me it was boring i'll be honest with you <laughs> well I, let me let me put on that thread for a minute so i found this a hard watch and and 
didn't know anything about it, didn't kind of come in with much much of an expectation apart from, like I say, I know it's a 70s movie, so you know it's going to be pretty slow. You know what, Chris? Even Star Wars, right? I, I go back and watch that original Star Wars, and I love every scene. But it's when you try and introduce the kids to it and you realize, fucking hell, it's quite slow, actually, isn't it? <laughs> you know, just fast forward it to the end bit with the Death Star. I guess we're just conditioned now for action almost nonstop, you know, and if, if anything isn't that, it's a bit of a bit of a shock. But, um, yeah, so I'm coming into it, and like you say, it's kind of interesting. I'm thinking initially, oh Christ, are they like you know Russian spies or something? You know, you're right in the the heart yes. of the Cold War here, yes. aren't you? So it's like, oh, are these like undercover, like what's going on there? And I'm fascinated by the you know the technology of the day. This is like you say, it's almost 50 years ago. And you're looking at all this surveillance stuff now, and yet now the government wants to track you. It's fine. Just fucking load an app on your phone or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, we're all tracked, and they, it's not just governments. It's these massive corporates, isn't it? They they track where, your browsing habits, your surfing habits, and whatever, and, and they know a lot about you. They know so much more than back at this time where you have to, you know, come up with these innovative little recording devices and then you take a little snippet of a conversation. Um, I, I didn't, I guess the clue's in the title, isn't it? I didn't think it would revolve quite so much about this same fucking conversation all the way through. But yeah, I found this so slow and really hard to get through. However, it doesn't half stick with you for you know the week after so it's been a week or so since I, I watched this and i think i i can see why it's not it's not that much of a box office hit i mean it made a profit it did okay it made like 4.4 from a, just over a 1 million budget so you know it it made a little bit of money but i guess would you know it's not godfather money um but it, it's so well put together because it, it gets you, basically, you know, Gene Hackman, he's playing this character. Like you say, I don't know about autistic, but he is a bit of a knob. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Harry there. I mean, he, the way he treats his girlfriend and stuff, and, you know, he, he's a bit shitty to her. I, I suppose we'll come back to that later. But he, even after, you know, recording this conversation, it's in a crowded place, isn't it? So, you know, that's part of the technical wizardry that, you know, he's putting together with that technology of the day, which you find out later. But he gets, you know, back to his, his home and he's kind of, he's so paranoid because, you know, someone's left him a birthday cake and he's like, how the fuck did someone get in here? You know, and he's he's on the phone. He's like, you know, I, I should be the only one to have the key. So, like, because of the nature of the business that he's in, he's super paranoid, but with good reason. But it's almost like a spiral. So he's very isolated and super paranoid. And just ultimately, you know, it's not really a good headspace to be in. I do find it a bit weird because as he's on the phone to his landlord, he's like, taking his pants off i'm like he's gonna have a crafty wanker somewhere what's going on <laughs> but yeah I, so i i think the paranoia that you get from this you can only get with a slower movie and the fact that it keeps going back to this conversation and, and the fact that it replays it over and over it's the nuance in the delivery and then obviously when we get to the end you know it, it the context of that conversation completely changes. But it's Harry's kind of obsession around this conversation. And, and he should literally just record the conversation, hand it over to the people who, who are paying him, and then that's it. But he starts to get too involved, doesn't he? And that's that's like part of his downward spiral. Yeah, and, and, and you know what? You're probably right, actually. I, I think his character, saying about like the autism, but I think his character... It's fascinating, Dave. I do. Even though the movie was 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 pretty boring, I agree with that. I think it, there is a, it, there is a point where it does stick and it does make you think, and you go, "Oh my god!" But the, but the fact that 
I think I think the thing for me is because the first twenty minutes he's just repeating it over and over, and then he fires Stan, doesn't he? Because Stan's like, you know, he's like, you took your eye off the ball, he just starts giving him shit, doesn't he, for no reason because he's having a few issues. But then he goes to this seminar of all where all the best people who bug and fucking Lutz is there from Beverly Hills Cop Two, Dave. So how we've ended up <laughs> with Lutz in the space of a couple of weeks being, you know, it's weird, isn't it, how we it's do this? It's mad things, <laughs> <isn't> <laughs> yeah, it? <laughs> special. We just need him to appear somewhere else and it'll be a, a hat trick. But, yeah, it's it's weird because it's sort of like he he's like his, not his nemesis, but he, he respects him. They know he's the man and they're doing these demonstrations and then a few, one of the guys is like, oh, you're, you're, you um, Harry Cole, and he's like, yeah, come and have a look at this. I'll give you this free. I'll give you this bugging device. But I love the demonstration that fucking Lutz does, Dave, when he goes, hey, watch this. We'll use a harmonica, and he can listen in. And then he's got the pretend thing of his wife saying to some fucking bloke, like, oh, he's away, my husband. Like, you know, let's have a bit. And he's like, oh, that's obviously all for the demonstration. But he's got like that blonde woman there, Annie, who they got the, the thingy with. But they're all, I mean, he, he says, Harry, he's 42, Dave. Fuck me, 42. <laughs> now, you'd be like, are you for, he looks about 60, doesn't he, uh, Gene Hackman? And the rest of them do. <laughs> but they decide from nowhere. So they're all these like people who are into bugging and spying PIs and all that stuff. And they're listening in all these conversations and they're having a bit of a chat. And the next minute they go, right, let's go get all the girls in. There's about eight of them in this fucking car. And they're chasing Weird, a Mustang. There's a fucking boss Mustang, which don't get me wrong, Dave, one of my favourite Mustangs, 1970 Mustang. And they're chasing it. And they have a go at these lads. And I'm thinking, oh, it's going to kick off. Lads disappear. who've cut them up in the Mustang. Then they start acting and they're dancing around as if they're like, uh, like late teens, early 20s, like it's some yeah. fucking frat party. But they all look like middle-aged age fucking men with this one girl who is the dialogue and the fucking the way that's depicted is so out of kilter for the movie and then Hackman's character goes from being so monotone not speaking to being so infused now whether that's I mean now you'd say he's obviously some sort of depressive is, is he um, autistic but yeah it's so ridiculous the way it flip-flops in the middle of the movie that whole scene and setup with the party is ridiculous Dave I just couldn't understand what I was watching I I, I agree yeah it's a weird one isn't it and it was it more of a case because they, they're not well I guess they are almost like traveling salesmen this is like the the comic con of you know, uh, wiretappers and personal investigators and stuff, isn't it? You know, yeah. so they all go out and then it seems to me, I, I, I was, I'd have to go back and watch it to be sure. But I mean, she was a, she was a prostitute, wasn't she? Yeah. 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 She yeah, was, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. like, but there's about eight blokes there. <laughs> and it's like, is this how it was, you know, for the traveling salesman, you know, they, they, you know, money's still a bit tight, so they they get one prostitute between eight people. I, I I just found it all very weird. Or I mean, Harry seemed to end up being the one who who kind of slept with her, but I'm not actually sure if he slept with her or 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 whatever. But I did find it just very weird. I, I can't. I don't have a frame of reference for that. But was that just something we could expect? You know, that happened back then. Don't know. It's weird, isn't it? It's weird because because you're right, and and I think that's like a sub. It's something that doesn't need to be in the movie, does it? I mean, this movie runs at two hours long. I don't really need to be in it, well, but like, I don't know. I so here's why I think it. Here's what I think it offers. So, I mean, like you say, Lutz from Beverly Hills Cop, he's busting <laughs> his balls, isn't he? He's got this weird kind of antagonistic relationship because he wants to go into partnership with Harry, but Harry doesn't want to know. He's doing fine on his own. But he's kind of busting his balls as well a bit, isn't he? Sort of taking the piss out of him and stuff. And, like, you've known people like that in your life. You're like... And they, I guess you call them frenemies maybe now. Uh, yeah. You know, so he's got this weird antagonistic relationship. But Harry's got his guard up all the time, super paranoid. And then the moment where he's speaking to the girl, like he, he's more vulnerable for for like a minute or two. And he lets his guard down and he's more vulnerable. And fucking Bertie boy here. <laughs> 
<laughs> just fucking recorded him. <laughs> and then, you know, it, it, what was it? I can't remember what it was. Was it Penn or something? But, you know, and then plays Penn, it yeah. for, the, yeah, for yeah. the lads for a laugh, you know. And then you can see, like, Harry does not take a joke very well. <laughs> but that yeah. that's almost like he's annoyed with himself because he's let his guard down for that moment. And then, you know, so he's pissed off with them, but he's pissed off with himself as well. And just, again, I I think it's needed to just show that, you know, he he, he does want to, to have that human connection with other people, but he didn't leave his guard down. And so he, he's just, again, in this really poor mental health kind of uh, paranoid state. I, I think, I, I think, like I say, this, this is a much better movie when I think back of it. You know, I, I, I like I say, I'll be transparent. I think I found it hard going to actually sit down and, and you know, watch it all the way through. I, I found it so slow, but I almost feel like, like I say, you, you, I don't think you could make this movie now. I, I think it has to be slow you know, to, to get you in the headspace of, of Harry. Yeah, and I do think you're right. I think the difference if you made it in 2023, there'd be action and Harry would be basically yeah. like fucking Rambo or something, wouldn't he? He wouldn't just be... like be, Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah, be Tom Cruise. <laughs> basically Mission Impossible, really. But yeah. there is a link, actually, not, not Mission Impossible. But however, when he plays the character in Enemy of the State, different name, the same actual setup, Dave. He's a whole... Um, Oh, what the fuck's it called? The, the, the whole thing, his whole setup where he's like his, his, his shop is and his workshop and everything. And he wears the same clothes as Harry. It was a callback. So people have oh. all said, is it in the same universe? Obviously, it stars Will Smith. That's a great film. Man, what's that for years? But um, yeah, it, it, it's weird because they're saying that there's a few nods to this going back to it. So they're sort of saying, is it the right. same character? Same glasses, same long coat outfit that the whole mm. uh, thing is the same his whole studio and everything just better technology so yeah right, it's, it's right. bad that, isn't it it's it's uh it's just a little throwback i don't know whether that was intentional or not but that that's exactly what um come out of it but but yeah as i said if you go to 2023 this is an action movie where fucking harry is just basically a man that you don't know anything about he's a mysterious man but all of a sudden he's got a cupboard he opens a cupboard and there's a fucking uzi in there there's an m16 a fucking uh rpgs <laughs> and everything he puts his rambo fucking bandana on and then goes and takes names doesn't he but for, for the purpose of this i do like the fact that he doesn't fight in it he is just someone who hacks into these conversations. And mm. I did like the bit when he got enthusiastic and he's talking to Lutz. I know he's not called Lutz in this, but, you know, fucking Lutz out of Beverly Hills Cop, about how he got three mics in and what he did and adjusted this mm. microphone and had the film crew in on it, on them. And then he basically deciphered everything and took all the filters away and everything, which I know these days is easy, but then... That was a beyond, and that guy straight away is going. Oh, we need to team up. We need to team up. I've got yeah. the resources. We could do this and sell it to the government. And he's like, I'm not interested. You know, so so that I thought was really good and really interesting. And and that's the whole point. This Lutz character is a basically a wanker who's trying to ride on the back of his take coat. You know, coattail take coat, coattails. Yeah. So yeah, so there is bits in it, Dave. Where genuinely, I was I was engrossed in it. It's just very very slow. And the payoff, the fact that they're having an affair, is like. This is a two-hour movie. Like you said, if it's not an espionage thing where and, – and what they said is, which which is really good. So I, went, I did go on a rabbit hole. You're saying about he sticks with you, and I will say that. You know, Stephen's picked a really interesting movie. I wanted to research everything. So apparently loads of people said it was a cash-in for Watergate. However, it, the original idea for Coppola was, was concealed in like the 60s, but he never had mm. the finance to do it, and nobody believed in him until The Godfather. That's how he made the movie. This movie was made before Watergate with Richard Nixon and that, but there's so many parallels because even the technology that they use in the movie is what technology was used and discovered to spy on all the other like contenders and all that in that, that presidential race and all the other things. That's how we got exposed, but it's the same equipment. Which right, is mad. right. So, so I went down. As you can tell, I'm enthusiastic about shit like this. I went down a rabbit hole. So there were so many parallels that Coppola was like, "No, this has been going on for over ten years. I wanted to get this movie in production." You mm. know, so yeah, really, really, really interesting, especially around '74 when all that come out with Watergate and stuff. Yeah, yeah, 
You know what else was interesting, Chris? So as we're recording this, the latest Indiana Jones movie, the final one that Harrison Ford is going to star in, yeah, allegedly, um, you know, is is coming out. In fact, I think it's it's out now, isn't it? It's out, yeah. And um, it's funny to go back and see, you know, a young Harrison Ford. But I always had it in my head and i'm sure i've seen harrison ford have interviews where he basically says oh he was a carpenter you know and uh, before star wars and then that star wars sort of changed his life and this was obviously 74 so like three years before star wars but you look back and it he's been active since 1966 yeah so it's like and I don't know if it's one of those where he was contemplating maybe getting out of acting or something like that, but I'm going to have to go back and, and uh, you know, re revisit, like, what his history was, because I, I just had that in, in my head that he was basically this, you know, he's obviously into acting, but just on the periphery of it. So it's clearly bollocks, because this, I mean, it, it wasn't chump change, was it? You know, it, it cost a million dollars back in, 90, you know, the early 70s. So, you know, that, that, that's a decent size movie. And um, I think his character is quite interesting because where Harry sort of gets his conscience and whatever, he's thinking that between, like, Harrison Ford's character, so what's his name, uh, Martin, you know, and the director... He thinks they're going to hurt these young people. So he's thinking that this young couple, you know, I'm going to throw them under the bus here. So he wants to hand it straight to the director. And Martin's like, no, no, just give that to me. Here's your money and whatever. But that's where it seems to flip. You know, Harry becomes more than just the wiretapper. He's getting personally involved. And you're thinking, again, that, that... Martin is with the director at this point, and then obviously it changes a bit later. But I think even though he's only in the movie for a few minutes, and I know you're not the biggest Harrison Ford fan, I do think he plays a good character in this. Yeah, he does. He's a good-looking guy as well. Give him that. Yeah. Fucking, you know, Han Solo always. But you're right. I mean, did he not do... Uh, what's that bloody one? The thingy graffiti around this American time. Graffiti. American graffiti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did that as well. Yeah, yeah, that was around this time. But yeah, you're right. I know. I think. I think I read somewhere because I'd read that about the carpenter thing. Like I always felt, or grew up thinking he was plucked from obscurity, but he wasn't. Yeah. He was an actor. He went back to carpentry because he was making no money and he was failing at auditions and stuff. He got very sparse auditions. Maybe it was from this movie to Star Wars. I don't know, but yeah, the, he wasn't in a lot of things. So that that. I'd always thought that day that it was one of them like, oh, I've just built you a table. Do you want to start a movie? You know, one of them. I just grew up thinking, and it obviously wasn't. But, but yeah, I, I think he's good in it. I do think he's good in it. And I think because Harry tells Stan, doesn't he? I'm being followed then, and he confronts him. He confronts Harrison Ford and, and the chatting and everything. But you're right. The, when, what gets me is when he gets a bit too personal in it. And then when, you know, get, I, I tell you what, I'm going to say it again. What gets me? What gets me is when Harry finds out and off the conversation he, he, he deciphers it he's deciphering it and he says right three o'clock at this hotel mm. he goes to the hotel and says can I have room 773 and the, the guy goes no it's occupied well can I have the adjoining room nobody says why do you <laughs> yeah. know them yeah no problem is he gone yeah, yeah fine, no, mate. <laughs> no problem at all okay I'll put you in 771 or 775 and he gets the adjoining room and sets all his gear up doesn't he listening <laughs> you're, in you're not just... going to do anything are you <laughs> yeah, no. I mean that's a little bit weird mate do you know them yeah of course I do <laughs> totally. you know? he's fucking bollocks so anyway he ends up next door to them sets all his gear up doesn't he? he's got the telly on he's a very lonely man and he's a very it's a very isolated job that he's doing and he's hidden under the sink where the toilet is and he's pushed through the wire and he's listening in and everything and that's when he sees the blood done it now what his whole thing is because they said that the couple about he's going to kill us the 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 premise is that they harry thinks one of them's going to basically take it don't he and get killed and he sees that blood thing so so it's a it's an interesting thing but then when he goes in the room and he's got the old i mean there's no one in the fucking corridor dave there's a man there kneeling down fucking picking a lock and he gets in the room and there's nothing in the room is there at all mm. there is nothing in the room until because we've had a few flashback bits in this when he sleeps with the prostitute and he's and he, he's having this like he's having these things about the couple about him getting killed and in different things yeah 
having a really, dream or something. Ain't he? Yeah, he's like it goes horror movie because he flushes. He keeps looking at the toilet when it's been cleaned by the cleaner and it's got the thing around it and all that. And there's nothing in the in the room at all. And then he flushes the toilet and the blood comes up. And I'm thinking, was that like a dream sequence? It was almost Nightmare on Elm Street levels of like. Yeah. You know, I, I don't. I mean, what did you think of that day? Because that was a really odd scene. That I wasn't sure if it was real or not. Yeah. Me too. And like you say, we'd had these other flashback scenes, which, you know, when all the mist and stuff is around, it's clear, okay, so this is definitely a dream. But with the toilet and stuff, and it was absolutely fucking horror movie stuff, wasn't it? I was like, is that, is, is he actually seeing that? Or, or actually, it was, it was more just after that, when you see that, like you say, there's no one in the room or anything. It's like, did he just make all that stuff up in his head? Or, or it occurred in his head? I, honestly, I don't know if it's – I don't know the answer to it, I, I, and I'm not sure. I, I think it's probably supposed to be a little bit vague. Again, I think part of the point of this whole movie is just Harry's mental health, isn't it? You know, he's just this paranoid guy up in his own head, you know, and he becomes obsessed with this thing, this conversation, and, uh, you know, it, it spirals him down in, into a worse place. Yeah, it does, and and then obviously he goes to the um, the actual building, doesn't he, of the bloke, you know, because they he gets a phone call saying like, well, he keeps getting phone calls saying we're listening, you know, don't get involved and all, and he's like a voice at the end of the phone. That was, all that was mine. That was Harrison, Harrison Ford. Ford. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Was it Harrison Ford? Yeah, so he, he keeps saying that to him, and it's when he goes to the fucking building, that big security guy's there, and they have a little bit of a tussle, but then they're like. Harry turns around like he's going to have a go at him, and the bloke just looks at me. He's dead weird the way he does it. You like, you know, when you're going to go for someone, your shoulder goes, doesn't it? I'm doing it now, and you drop your shoulder, don't you? Yeah. And he goes to do it as if to say, I'll fucking have you, and then just like looks at him again and goes, No, you'll fucking lever me. See you later. But that's when. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most pathetic like heroes moment, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> it's, it's really silly, but a little bit of tri- another bit of fucking trivia for you, Dave. You're going to love this. So outside is this big fuck-off Mercedes um, limo with the woman in it, his wife in it, right? When it, That car was bought by Paramount because um, Francis Ford Coppola wanted a car and he didn't have – he had a shitty car and he wanted a car. So they had um, a bet at Paramount and they said, basically, if the Godfather makes more money than its budget, will buy you a car. And obviously it was the highest grossing movie of all time. If you <laughs> even now like one of the highest ever if you you, you know relate it to now. So the, so that's the car that he bought with Steven Spielberg. They went and actually ordered that and went to Mercedes, ordered it and said, charge Paramount. And that's what so nice. that's why it's in the movie. So again, Dave, I sound like I've watched the conversation over and over. I haven't. It's just the power of the internet. But yeah, great bit of trivia there. <laughs> lovely car. Proper lovely car. It looks like a president's car. But yeah they, it unravels then because when he sees her alive, he's like, what the fuck's going on? Mm. Because he thinks she's dead or the guy's dead. And it ultimately, it's not. It's actually a husband who's dead, isn't it? That's like the twist, really. That's who was dying in the room. It's, it's yeah. yeah, it's really mad. And I didn't see that coming, to be fair. I think they held it away because you think the husband's the big bad, don't you? You think, oh, he's a right yeah. bastard. And it's not. It's them plotting against him. Hence why they were in that square with everyone around him. Really, really good twist, I thought. Yeah, yeah, it, it does, and it, it's Robert Duvall as well, isn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah. It, it's weird that he gets this. I mean, he's not even credited with a name; he's just kind of the, the director, isn't he? So, yeah, and it all twists, and and then you're like, oh shit! And Martin was in on it as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so it's like that's why it's like stay away, stay away thing. So I, th- I do like the twist, but there's a fucking but, Dave. There is a but. When he goes back to his fucking apartment, and again, he gets warned off, he then decides to absolutely, he gets completely paranoid then because he's got an alarm on his room, it's triple locked, everything. He's got all these things set up so no one can get in his apartment. And that one conversation takes this absolute private eye mastermind, the man who can create any sort of listening device, even from the technology he's like held in such high esteem by his peers. And then he loses it and just wrecks his whole apartment. However, Dave, he's playing the fucking saxophone all the way through. And apparently he actually learned to play the saxophone yeah. for this role. And he plays it earlier on to a song, but then at the end he's playing it. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? The whole apartment is fucked. And he's just sat there playing his 
his saxophone. Uh, what a really, <laughs> really strange ending. <laughs> it's really strange. I, but do you not think it's, I mean, I, I want to say iconic, but I've kind of, you know, I've never seen it before. So I, I guess, I, and I, I've not seen it repeated in other media. So I guess it, it doesn't necessarily qualify for iconic, but haunting. I mean, it, he's completely lost it then, hasn't he? And like I say, his paranoia isn't without foundation. He's paranoid for a reason. Because he's the one doing this shit. And, you know, when he's doing all this shit, I kind of feel like it, it's taking a toll on him. You know, he's doing this nefarious stuff. He's listening in on people's conversations that they're not aware of it. And, you know, he's thinking that, well, I think Martin, like, basically fucked it up, didn't it? Well, he fucked him up, you know, by saying, we're watching you. He's like, fucking hell. You know, I thought they were watching me before, but now I definitely know. So, you know, <laughs> where are they hiding this shit? And, you know, it's all because he's an innovator, you know, but and, and he is kind of the best, but it's not like everyone else is crap. So where could they be hiding this shit? And he basically totals his whole apartment, doesn't find anything. And you're thinking, well, is it all just, again, is it up in his head? Is it all his paranoia? Are they listening to him in his house? Was it just a bit of a threat? It's like, look, we know, we know you know, but step out of line and we'll do you in. But it's not like they're going to have a person watching him all the time. They're not going to employ someone to listen to him 24 hours a day. No. So, you know, I, I just thought it was a great ending, to be honest, where he's just, that's it. He's just fucking lost it. And then like a kid who's had too much sugar and has been on that sugar high and then just passes out. <laughs> He's just like out of total the apartment. You know, just going to fucking sit here. And like, that's the way he relaxes, isn't it? By playing his saxophone, playing a bit of jazz on his saxophone. And I just think the, the way it's shot and everything is really, really good. I just thought, I thought the ending was great. And that's what, has lived with me, you know, this past week uh, more than any other scene. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that, Dave. It's it's just it's just fucking bizarre, and 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 I think as well, like considering his character so complex, and I've seen loads of things online, like people say one of the greatest movie characters of the seventies. You know, like I never even heard of him, Dave. You know, all I think of in the seventies is. Michael Corleone, Don Corleone, fucking smoking the bandit, you know. <laughs> Luke Skywalker, Luke Han Skywalker, Solo. Han Solo. <laughs> yeah, sorry, can't forget them. But you know, they're the ones I think of. I've never even heard of him. So, as a character, obviously, completely uneducated. However, we, us as kids, we were only these films would only be available when we could watch them at, at our bed before bedtime. It was always, yeah. we went with the pop culture movies, didn't we, which we enjoyed. So we're looking at like the mid 80s at this point. So I would never have watched this. And I know me, me old man, even me, me granddad's, both of them want to watch. Maybe my Irish granddad, Johnny, would have probably watched something like this. But my other one wouldn't watch this day because he loved war films. So I, yeah, I just would never have come across this. So yeah, I'm glad Stephen's picked it. And what a great conversation we've had because it's completely different to anything. We would never pick a movie like this ever. Yeah, not the conversation, but a conversation. A conversation, yeah, sorry. That, I think that, was, that wasn't an intentional play on words, but yeah. No, it's kind of got me thinking now that, that uh, like say, should, should we go back and look at other, I mean, maybe not to review, but just watch some other classic 70s movies. I mean, I tell you, at some point, we've got to do like Dirty Harry, Death Wish, things like that. I, I just think um, that there's potentially untapped uh, resources there. But I, if I think of, of being a kid and, and even when you, you know, I think I told you I had like a little black and white telly that I could steal from my mum and dad's room occasionally and watch uh, like old 1950s B movies and stuff. So you could watch shit late at night. But I also think if I'm flicking across the channels, you know, with the dial, you know, not not actually flicking, just mm. turning the, yeah, yeah. the, the yeah, radio dials yeah, yeah. to, to the other channels. And I land on this. I don't think I'm stuck on there for more than a few seconds. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. what the fuck's this? Nope. Let me see something else. So I, I think I, I could it could have been on terrestrial TV, you know, but I, there's no way I'd have sat down and watched it. So like you, I, I'm 
really happy like Stephen's picked this one I'm really happy I've watched it and uh yeah it's made me wonder what else is out there <laughs> no honestly different and I enjoy I just enjoy when we're chatting about it and someone to pick that so no thank you Stephen for taking us through this one mate so Dave shall we get into our review scores let's go Interesting movie. It bored me. I'm not going to lie. I said that at the top of the... It really did. But there is some good spots. I think Harry's a really interesting character. I love trying to break down him as a personality. Um, the idea of, of him totally deciphering all the hundreds of people talking in this square just to concentrate on the, the two people he needed. Easy to do these days, but in 70, you know, 74, it was not easy to do. So completely... Um, took me off guard that to be honest i really really found that fascinating and then obviously the rabbit hole of Francis Ford Coppola's favorite movie ever made uh, all the trivia behind it everything and I do think the ending is ridiculous but it's something that will stick me and I'll probably say it to people like oh what's his movie and then he starts playing the saxophone it's just so random but the premise of it all and the little twist at the end is enough Dave so for me it's not one of the worst movies I've ever seen it's very slow it's definitely of its time I will put it in Elm Street, Dave. Almost in Hill Valley, I would be on. I've, as we've talked about it, I've sort of um, come round to it a bit more than what I thought I would coming into it. So, yeah, Elm Street. What about yourself? Very good. So, yeah, I, I, like yourself, I found this a hard watch initially. And that's more just uh, like, like you say, because it's a product of its time. It's a 70s movie, so it's a bit slower. We're just, even with the 80s movies, you know, they, they kind of accelerated the pace somewhat. And, and then to now, uh, like I say, mostly everything seems like an action movie now, you know, comic book movies and what have you. So I, 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 what, I didn't enjoy it. Like while I'm sat there and I'm watching it, I'm not like, ooh, what's going to happen next? You know, <laughs> I'm just sat there kind of absorbing it, thinking, oh, my God, this is slow, you know. <laughs> Come on, is it finished yet? But when you've finished watching it and you're sort of thinking back to it, I think that's where that's where my enjoyments come from more and and like i say it's fascinating i think some of the camera work as well is great we haven't really talked about the cinematography but i i think some of the shots some of the angles look look fantastic and again you know it's san francisco isn't it it's not new york but going back to that kind of grittier time and didn't mention it but when he goes back to his like girlfriend's house she's in this pokey little fucking flat it looks horrible yeah. and yes, I, it I couldn't actually tell is she bedridden she was in bed for the whole time and it, it, like not in a sexy way just like it, i couldn't work out if she was actually bedridden or something but um no i, th- I think that the repetitive stuff with the conversation i think it it changes the conversation, you know, depending on the context of what's happening around it. And you get into Harry's head and how paranoid he is, how isolated he is and how negative that all is. And, and so you, you, you kind of go along with him on this journey, you know, where he's just spiraling downwards. And so, uh, you know, it all culminates to that end point where he's totaled his flat, you know, and and then just almost tired himself out. And then, then he's just sat there chilling, listening to his saxophone thinking fuck it all kind of thing <laughs> so yeah I, I i enjoyed this more after and then thinking back to it and i i probably will go back and watch this at some point but it's it's one of those where you'd have to be in the right headspace you know you you need to shut out the rest of the world if you like and dedicate that that attention 100 percent to this and uh yeah i think yeah, like I say, I'd, I'll definitely watch it again at some point. But um, no, I'm, I'm going to rate it a bit higher than you, Chris. I'm going to put it in Hill Valley. I think uh, I, I I actually think if you, if I'm to put on like the art house glasses or something, you know, I, I can see why this film is rated so highly. Um, but for me, it has to kind of entertain me as well, not just intrigue me. So I, I think the uh, for that reason, it. it, it kind of gets knocked down a couple of points 
Fair enough, fair enough. No, good stuff, Dave. Good stuff. I thought you might put it in the middle, honestly. And I totally get it. To be fair, Stephen, he's getting in touch with what he actually scores it, Dave. I'd love to know what he scores it. If he wants to message one of us or, you know, through Patreon or email us, just just send it over because I really want to know why he's picked it and, and the reason behind it because it's a really unusual movie. You know so, what? Yeah. It is on... Uh, I agree. Um, I should message him, really. You know what this gets on Rotten Tomatoes, Chris? I know what it gets, Dave. It's 97%. Yep. yep. It's massive. Fucking hell. 8.8, is it? Or 7. user review? It's got a good high score user review as well. Uh, 89% audience score. That's it, yeah. And then on um, yeah, on IMDb, it's 7.8. Yeah, yeah. Really which good. Which is decent as well. It's, yeah, it's good. No, it's good. So, Dave, now for something completely different. So, <laughs> it's my pick. And I've I've been sat here going, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Am I absolutely going to stitch him up? Am I going to go for it? Mm. And I've had one. I've had a I've had a movie in the chat because you don't know what we're doing. And I was like, do we send it in? But this could be like this could be the t- this could tip you over the edge. So I'm not going <laughs> to do that. No, it really would tip you over the edge. You'd be like, fuck off. However. You talked about Dirty Harry, Dave. Now, this isn't Clint Eastwood. However, you know who one of my favourite actors is of all time, Dave? Mr. Burt Reynolds. Now, I have watched pretty much most of his movies, and I've been trawling his filmography as we've been doing this. And I've had two movies in mind, which are like 80s movies. One's early 80s, one's mid-80s. And they're not Cannonball Run or anything. The one I was going to pick you would have been a doozy, Dave, which I think I've sent you the trailer and you'd absolutely... Don't mad at me. But this is actually one of his highest rated movies, and it's very similar to a Dirty Harry movie, Dave. So we're going back to 1981. So this was filmed in between Smoking a Bandit, Cannonball Run, and Cannonball Run 2, Dave. So this one's called Sharky's Machine, Dave. So here is the trailer. Orion Pictures presents Burt Reynolds in Sharky's Machine. If you don't get out now, we're going to have to call I've never me. heard of this. I am exactly. Sharky Spice. <laughs> Last film, baby. They were just street <laughs> cops until they teamed the up with Sharky and became Sharky's Machine. Seven ladies. One's got a hook in the hat. That's there, the one the department won't let us touch on. Doesn't that tell you anything? A thousand bucks a night. Is that right? Is that so what you got a golden globe nomination for this Found movie? Rachel Wood. Domino with an E. Domino, yeah. It's a waste. You, busting hookers. The last casualty they had in Vice was a suicide. This looks like a TV movie. Well, we're here to arrest... That's his... Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. Even if there is one guy squeezing his town, he's too high to reach. Great reputation here. Slave trade. They buy him, kidnap him, then they break him down. Drugs, rape, whatever the hell it takes. <laughs> and they stop Who is there? Tim and his brother, Albert Spirelli. He's, he's in Cannonball. Yeah. He's just about to lose that badge of yours. <laughs> Strange cash, Sharky. Yeah, that's what everybody says. You know you got a big communication problem here, Sharky. Sharky's machine. <laughs> that was the biggest world record for this day three before we Oh, wow. Yeah. There you go, Dave. So, come we... Interesting. What, what, what I've found good is when you've never seen it. So, if I, mm. look, I was going to pick something else, and it's fucking terrible, and it stars Burt Reynolds, and you'd have just gone, <laughs> this is just right up there. It's basically a poor man's cannonball run or smoking the bandit. But this is one... We rented this on video, I think about 87, 86. And like my old man loves loves Burt Reynolds as well. And we went through a, 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 like a, a meander of all these movies in the 80s. Some of them are shocking, but there's another one I've got on my sleeve, Dave, which is basically a one-man army job. So, um, right. yeah, Sharky's Machine is, some, is a classic, Dave. 83% on Rotten Tomatoes rating, Dave. It's one of his um, highest-rated movies behind um, The Longest Yard. Bean Machine and Smoking the Bandit. So, yeah. I mean, it sort of looks like a 70s 
lethal weapon almost. Yes, that's why I liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more serious. He's a bit, a bit, little bit of comedy in it, but it's very serious actually. Right, Doing right. The usual stuff. So I thought I'd throw it in there. Oh, something a bit different. Mm. So anyway. That's me. I'm, I'm queuing over Burt Reynolds as we talk, Dave. Uh, big <laughs> thank you to everybody. Big thanks to Stephen for picking out. If you want to email us, the VHS Strikes Back at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on social media, at VHS Strikes Back. If you do want to support us a little bit more, guys, please get over to patreon.com forward slash the VHS Strikes Back. So, the roll call of honor for today is Mr. Tony Farina, John Hammond, Blake, Maths, Jax, Herb, Lucky Lulu Green, Kegga Stars, and Heat, Matt, Timothy, Susan, Justin, Dan, Trent, Stephen, Dylan, Helen, and Lee. So thank you so much, guys, for your support. We really appreciate it. And some cracking movies that you're picking. But I hope you all enjoy this one I've picked because it is a little bit of a Burt Reynolds gem. And it was one of one of my favourites because it's not him being a complete dick. He's just, you know, <laughs> he's, he's trying to be serious. He's he, acting. He's basically dirty <laughs> Harry, but, Clint, but uh, Burt Reynolds, basically. But we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, Dave, I was going to throw you under the bus, but there's no point in throwing you under the bus, Dave, because... This movie has one thing said all the way through it, and it's the same thing that you hear every <laughs> single two minutes when Gene Hackman is actually um, doing his rewind and he's doing everything. Honestly, I'm not joking. I think I clocked it at about, it must be about 30 or 40 times I heard it in the movie. It's the same <laughs> thing over and over. And basically, one of the, th- the first thing he deciphers when everyone's talking the two people are, are talking and he's trying to get into the conversation and, and all that stuff. And honestly, I know it sounds daft, but I'm just going to say it as he said in the movie, you will get sick of hearing this in the conversation if it doesn't hit me this movie. So all I'm going to say to you, Dave, is this. He'd kill us if he got the chance. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Bye now. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we going to do now? What are we going to do? Maybe we could build a fire, sing a couple of songs, huh? Why don't we try that? We better get back, because it'll be dark soon, and they mostly come at night. Mostly. I'll be back. That's not. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Wax on, wax off. Go for it. Well, here we go. Ain't so bad. Ain't so bad. Ain't so bad. Ain't so bad. Ain't nothing. You must be crazy or something. I'm crazy. You're just a stupid fool. Yeah, maybe you're crazy. I ain't breathing heavy. He's a fool. He's stupid. I've seen you in six months. Come on.